In the late 1960s and 70s, fear grips the city of San Francisco as a serial killer called Zodiac stalks its residents. Investigators and reporters become obsessed with learning the killer's identity and bringing him to justice. Meanwhile, Zodiac claims victim after victim and taunts the authorities with cryptic messages, ciphers, and menacing phone calls. This is Movie Time Machine. I want to welcome you to another episode of Movie Time Machine, where each week we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie is Zodiac, directed by David Fincher, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., and Anthony Edwards. This is your Time Machine host, Chad, and before we get into our movie discussion, why don't we go around the table, we'll do some introductions, and let's let everyone know what we've been watching lately. Hey everyone, it is Chris, and I have been re-watching The West Wing, already in Season 5. Hey everybody, it's James. Uh, I just finished Tiger King, which was a trip, and then uh, just got into halfway through uh, Ozark Season 3, which is fantastic. I love that show. Casey here. Uh, we also were just watching Tiger King, so that was uh, something else. I think we still have one episode left, though. Hey, this is Jamie. I've been watching a show called On My Block on Netflix with my wife. It's kind of like a Freaks and Geeks vibe in Los Angeles with more gangsters. Hey, and this is Chad. I've been watching Tiger King as well and just watched, I think, a really cool movie called Prospect. So it's on Hulu right now. If you have that, check it out. All right. Uh, Zodiac came out in 2007. Directed by David Fincher, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Edwards. Um, box office at a budget of $65 million. Uh, made $84.8 million. And no Oscar noms. Which is, uh, I think, how's everyone feel about this film? Let's just do some go around the table and do some quick takes or whoever wants to hop well, in. Well, I want to I know who, did anyone see this for the first time? Yeah, this is my first watch too. Okay, that's I'd be interested in uh, in your opinion compared to other Fincher films you've seen. In Chad's opinion, yeah, I, whoever's seen this, because I just think this is such a weird. It's not weird, but yeah. it's a little bit different than the rest of of his movies. Chad, I do want to hear your opinion. I fully agree uh, with you, Case. Like, uh, I I saw this in the theater because I think at the time, much like all of us, we were all such fans of Fincher. Like, uh, between. Fight Club and Seven and Panic Room, uh, potentially. And just like, man, I love this guy's style. Or I, you know, I hadn't seen a bad Fincher film yet. It seemed like, uh, relatively. And so I got, I was really excited about this movie and especially with the cast and then, uh, bury the lead. I was so disappointed, <laughs> but, it, but it does have a very different feel, uh, than any of his other films for sure. So. Yeah, I felt, <clears throat> I was, <laughs> I was disappointed in this movie. I had a hard time getting into it. And I know that um, some of you guys have, you know, had some high praise for this film. So I was like, well, maybe I just need to take another shot at it. And I watched it three times, you know, in bits and pieces here over the last three weeks. And I've decided, like, I don't like the first 90 minutes of this film. I think that um, once you get to the part where 
you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, uh, Robert Graysmith, once he starts kind of going into that madness of, uh, hit, like doing his investigations into trying to figure out who the Zodiac is, that was like my favorite part of the film. But I still think, I don't know. I think this is just like a okay movie. I mean, it's, I probably don't need to watch it again. Um, <laughs> after the three times I've watched it, but for me too, like the murder scenes in this movie, like the level of violence in them, it just does not like, like the level of violence in in this movie is like on the level of like a horror film. Then I feel like the rest of the movie, like the theme of it doesn't really match up with that. So just overall, like a lot of things just did not, it just feels really jumbled. Um, and like that first 90 minutes for me, but I also felt like the movie felt like kind of cold to me and, um, I'll come back to that a little bit. I want to get everyone else's, um, opinion on the film, but I have some reasons why I've, I've, I felt that coldness. I want to touch on it a little bit. Well, I mean, to kind of follow that up, I, uh, I mean, I, I think it's a good film. I've only seen it the, about two, the two times now, um, but it, it, you know, the, you were right. The 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 murder scenes were just so graphic and kind of unsettling, and that's really not my bag. And I'm not really into horror films that much either. And it is such kind of a, a weird shift. You go from a noir stylish kind of detective film, and then you get cut into these super violent like murder scenes. Um, but like all with kind of that Fincher style, so yeah. it looked really cool. And a lot of the shots were just set up beautifully for his how which was kind of a like the i remember the scene where he's like stabbing the the couple on the beach like that whole scene was just set up and it looked so pretty and then they contrast that with like brutal brutal violence yeah like the knife stabbing part that was like too much for me yeah i, I turned yeah. i mean yeah it's, it, <laughs> it makes your stomach turn a little yeah. bit it's not it's just not for me yeah and i feel like we're i think this movie would have been really great if it was like just centered around like uh the Graysmith character and just kind of like have like the Zodiac killings, like kind of allude to them more instead of them being so graphic. But it seems like Fincher, Fincher really loves doing like, he loves that graphic and violent shit. You know, like if you look at his past films too, at like fight club, then if you look at like some of the scenes in gone girl, um, I get it, but it just didn't really jive for me. And, um, I don't know if it just felt kind of like, cold and i didn't really care about many of the characters and when i was done watching it every time i was just like oh, okay all right i agree with see, you bring up go ahead case well hold on i just want to say one something real quick you bring up gone girl and that i actually think that was a really good use of that graphic violence because it was really only that if i recall really the only violence you see is when she like slits that dude's throat yeah everything else is a lot more tense and, and drama yeah and so i think that was used really well to kind of flip you around and kind of reveal some things as kind of the shocking moment. And I think that was done really well, but here it uh, from the very first scene that like gunshot murder of that couple in that car. That's also brutal. Cause like they show the dude climb into the back seat and the guy comes back and double taps him again. And then they show that they, they're like alive still and breathing. It's like, Oh, that's just right. Gut wrenching. <clears throat> some of those scenes were just too long. And um, I know this is probably killing Jamie right now. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, cause I was <laughs> the, you know, like I say, like the movie felt cold and, um, 
I was just listening to a different podcast and they were talking about this movie and they started talking about how much Fincher put into like the budget doing like CGI for this film. And I was like, what? Then I went back and watched this uh, YouTube video on uh, like the post-production on this movie, which um, I'm going to put the link into the podcast notes uh, for this episode. But just how much CGI is in this movie, I was like, oh, that's that's it. That's totally how I get it. Why like some of the shots and the scenes just kind of seem like, you know, cold is like the only way I can describe it. But yeah. Well, he CGI the only thing he didn't have to, which was the San Francisco skyline. Yeah. But even like the whole like taxi cab, like murder scene, like a lot of that was CGI and the part where they drive up. Is it the woman that drives up? There's like the trucker that's pulled over. It's the woman that like jumped out of the car with the baby the scene with like the car pulling up onto that scene. Um, like a lot of that was CGI. The truck was CGI. Um, so, but that's just me. But now that I watched that video, it really kind of shines through why I didn't like most of the movie, but Chris, what are your thoughts and feelings? Yeah. You know, I, um, I don't have the same take as you all. I do. One thing I do agree with you on Chad is I do think the movie's too long. Um, there are times where I watch it and I think that it's a little slow or it's, it's dragging and it doesn't need to. Um, but one of the comments that was made was the idea that this doesn't feel very much like Fincher. And I actually disagree. This feels a lot like Fincher when you think of seven or you think of fight club, um, these darker movies that tend to have a twist or that you tend to like, kind of see things um, play out. And so when I think of that, this movie feels very much like it's in his wheelhouse and within his, um, within his style. Mm -hmm. Um, The things that I, I really enjoy about this movie is I think they do a great job of kind of walking you through the, the thriller piece. So I'm a sucker for these kind of movies, any kind of, um, of, of thriller movie where you're able to like, kind of see them, work through it. So whether that be, you know, seven, which I really enjoy, or even um, silence of the lambs, those kind of things. So I look at this and I think that um, it's a really cool story. I agree. I don't think all the performances are super um, strong, but all in all, I think that uh, Fincher does a really good job with ratcheting up the, um, the suspense. I, I especially like how, you think that, um, you know, probably about halfway or a little over halfway through, you think that they've got the killer and then it ends up being not the individual. Um, and then you go to the scene where um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character goes into the house with the individual who did the scoring for a bunch of the movies. Um, at yeah, the movie or like theater. the reveal, like he did like the handwriting on the posters and all yeah. that stuff. And like yeah. that whole scene I thought was amazing. And they did such a great job of like building that up and building that up and like making yeah. it believable yep. and making it believable. I agree with that. And then you leave and then again, you find out later on, well, oh, that wasn't the guy either. So I really like that misdirection. And I think that um, this movie does a really good job with that and, and being able to, to walk through that. Um, you know, I'm actually also going to disagree. I, I don't think that, for me, there feels like a lot of gratuitous violence outside of that stabbing scene. I think that stabbing scene um, is a, a real shock to the system. But, you know, I think of even when, you know, that initial 
that initial shot with the couple in the in the park where you know the first gunshot it's just the blood spray on the woman um you don't actually see the kid getting shot and so i don't know like i don't know that i feel like it's something that is gratuitous or is overly violent i do think there's violence in there but i don't think like i mean i say we watch saw and that is far far more violent and i would consider that far more of a horror film than than this is but all in all i really enjoy this movie i think they do a great job of suspense i think they do a great job of kind of keeping you guessing on who the individual is and walking you through the whole detection i agree i really also enjoy the the whole piece of like jake gyllenhaal just becoming obsessed and some of that story with um with his wife and kind of seeing that unravel. So I think there's a lot of different, you know, they've got a main plot and multiple subplots. And I, yeah, I enjoy this movie thoroughly. Yeah. I, I want to clarify. I actually, I think it's a, a good film and I enjoyed it. It's just, uh, I don't think the violence is gratuitous as much as it's extremely like realistic and brutal. Whereas in saw it's like over the top, it's almost silly. I, I like the realism almost is what what makes it hard for me to watch. No, it's a really good film. I just think it's, uh, yeah, just some of those scenes are a little bit tough. And it is it's it's kind of a slow, suspenseful noir film. So you kind of have to really be into that type of thing. Yeah, for me, it just it just didn't it the scenes just did not seem to fit like with the rest of the movie. I guess just how it felt. Um, but I feel like. You know, like the violence in Saw, like I'm watching Saw, like I'm expecting, like I'm watching a horror movie, like I expect that, like it just seemed kind of out of place or I don't know, it just didn't feel right. And I tried to go back, I was like, maybe I just, the way I was feeling like the day I watched it, maybe I just need to go back and check it out. But that's that specific scene was um, really tough for me to like justify like why, you know. I guess I don't have to justify it. it just it just didn't. Which work scene for me. was that, Chad? The um, the stabbing okay. scene. So, well, and, and this is. I don't think I'll, I'll let someone else talk. <laughs> oh no, Casey, you go ahead. You finish your point. Well, I was going to say. I mean, I agree with both Chris and Chad, but I, to what Chad just said, where they were out of place. I guess I I can't really agree that they're out of place because it is a film about a serial killer. Um, so I think it makes sense in the context of it. Um. And again, I, I think it's it's a good film. It's just not my. I think it's my taste more than anything. I don't like. I don't really watch a lot of things with a ton of yeah. violence. So when, and it just the contrast, which again, I think that's what he was going for between those scenes. Um, it's just uh, it's really it's jarring to go from kind of the dark stylistic sh- scenes of of the detectives and everything, and you switch to kind of this nice bright sunny day with people being murdered. Right. I think it's exactly what he was going for, though, and it, it obviously did its job because it made me kind of feel gross. Not that yeah, that's and what going I for, think. But... Well, and I think I, I have, I have an answer for. <laughs> I have an answer for um, everything. Why it might feel, why it might feel like jarring or off-putting, and I, this is coming from Jamie, who's a huge horror fan, and I agree with you guys. These, I hate these scenes. They make me uncomfortable, and it's funny. I was. Uh, this is kind of an aside. I was recording this on Sundance, which for some reason bleeped the language, but was totally fine with all the violent scenes. So, I mean, to Chris's point, maybe they weren't that violent than saying the R word. But anyway, I, I think the stabbing is effective because um, it just like the whole story of Zodiac, he has what, like five confirmed kills and then it stops. So 
it and he needs to show you fincher one thing that puts this city on edge like just completely freaks out the city so i don't know i think maybe that's what he's doing with that stabbing scene you know what i really thought after that stabbing scene so because like the the guy survives right they show him he's like next to his car and like that's when he's when he's found am i correct on that so my thought was it well i think they talk about both of them surviving but i think the guy next to his car was the first dude that got shot yeah but i think they they talk about in the valley too he's like it shows him oh does he find him by the side of his car or something oh yeah he's by the truck and uh you're, and, you're both right. <laughs> my thought after that was like, oh, he's fucking lying. Like, he actually killed her. Then he stabbed himself to make it look like he was attacked because he made up this, like, bogus claim that he saw the Zodiac because the paper was stupid enough to print the the note in the first place, right? And we got a copycat killer. So, like, a guy's dressing into, like, this ridiculous, like, hangman's, like... You know, with like the the mask and like the all black with like the zodiac symbol. Like, if you really think about it, like in real life, that seems pretty crazy. I was like, oh, he just fucking killed her and stabbed himself. But I digress. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, did you uh, look up any of the trivia on this movie and get the George Lucas factor on this? No, is there one? I should have. I didn't do very much research on this film outside of the no. uh, CGI. It's all good. No, there was just a, I was reading this thing that said George Lucas gave an interview to Empire Magazine once uh, stating that the Zodiac murders captured his imagination uh, when he was in high school. And then also, again, while he was just in college at USC, and he always felt like Toshi or the detective was or inspector was uh, harshly judged for the investigation or how the investigation was handled. And he explained that's why he named the location on Tatooine Toshi Station in honor of the inspector. Oh, really? Oh, oh cool. Damn. <laughs> so, God, it always goes back to Star Wars. I know. Star Wars, baby. One thing that I also really enjoy about the movie was just the whole code-breaking stuff. Like, that kept coming back and forth. And, you know, you have all of these um, detectives and, you know, the whole... San Francisco police force behind you and the couple that or like the group that ends up like breaking the code was just like, uh, you know, a couple, a mundane like teacher and just a husband and wife. And I, I thought like that kind of stuff was really interesting. Just being able to see some of that cryptology pieces of how, you know, how they were able to either figure out the code or how the code was even created. And like all these really obscure, um, really obscure, code languages that are being yeah. used and so yeah that to me like i don't i i really enjoy like all of the different pieces and like another thing that i really enjoy about the movie is just the need to work with the other cities and like how much more complex that became and how you're relying on other cities to do their work well and i recall in one of them like they didn't have evidence because they ended up taking all the stuff from like the picnic blanket and like tossing it or something like that. And like now that derails, um, derails the, the investigation. So I think for me, like that thriller piece and watching it all play out and watching how they're getting to it. Has anybody seen knives out? Yeah. 
So no. s- similarly, like those kind of movies, I'm a huge fan of where like you don't know it's the, the who done it and you don't know. And they're like trying to give you all of these clues in this misdirection and you're just trying to work it out. And I, I really enjoy that. And I think this movie does a nice job with that. That's me. a good movie, but I just have a lot of problems with it. But I do like the attention to detail that Fincher does have in this film. Um, just like the stuff with like the watch and like the boot and like the boot print, like when the the whole scene with like the, the interview with, uh, Lee, mm-hmm. um, in that break room. Scene. Oh, that was awesome. Um, but at the end, I just, I just really didn't care about any of the characters and I just, I was just really disappointed, but I mean, I, there's some cool stuff and I, I do like Chris, like you said, I like, um, how they, or how he kind of shows like the lack of, you know, the cooperation and collaboration between, you know, like police forces and like different precincts and like the inability to share information and just like all like the, um, like bartering almost, you know, of like trying to get this information and try to track it down and who you got to get to sign what. And <clears throat> that was really cool to kind of get like that era in like a time capsule too, of how like the criminal and like criminal investigation piece of it so i really like that what are you what do you um allude to the reason that you don't connect with the characters is that you think they're unlikable you think they were unbelievable because the acting was poor like what i just think the acting was poor um you know i i just i really like this the story of gray smith you know i i wish that oh, would have been like a better story i think if it, it was like more focused on him and kind of left out like the detective piece of it but Again, that's just my own opinion, but mm-hmm. I would recommend this movie. I think I don't know. I would this so I think Casey said it earlier that this was just his second time watching it, uh, and mine as well. So I saw it in the theater. I remember just not being a huge fan of it. It just wasn't what I was expecting, and so I was actually it was two thoughts. So uh, Chris, you were the one who picked Fincher as the director. And I was so excited about that opportunity to talk about any of his movies. And then you picked Zodiac, the one that I don't like. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, though? Uh, I was excited. Uh, then I got excited thinking, you know what? I feel like maybe I will appreciate this movie a lot more uh, for what it is. So I agree with a lot of things you guys are saying as far. I mean, it, I agree with almost everything you're saying. Uh, Chad, I agree with you that the characters were cold. I think I was disappointed in that how the characters were in the movie and with the actors that were involved, it just wasn't what I was expecting. And, but it also, I agree with uh, Fincher is fantastic at getting detail and uh, trying to get everything right uh, in his movies um, and just making things look really uh, like clean and cool. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So it was, but watching it again, I wasn't like wild or anything this time thinking maybe I would respect the story a lot more. I still felt like it was a long, slower movie. Um, and I just feel like uh, to some of the representations from earlier's conversation as far as uh, killers go or who done it and like thinking that uh, just so many other people have done it better and or even if, say, talking about Gone Girl, Fincher, I think perfected, not perfected, but I think he had done significantly better jobs in the future, maybe based on what he was learning from this film. Um, I mean, again, he's still one of my favorite directors for sure. Uh, this is just one that I like. I don't own it, and I own probably, and I probably have purchased the rest of his movies. Uh, and it was one that I've seen that was involved, like on Netflix or whatnot. And I didn't add it to my queue. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so, yeah. but then I'm like, ooh, but Billy Madison's here. Let's watch that again. Right. No. right. Yeah, I guess 
you know, for me, this was kind of um, a good comparison to the last director we did in Kubrick. And as soon as we uh, finished that run of movies, this was Zodiac was the next movie I jumped into after watching The Shining. And both of these directors are are similar in a way. It's just like their attention to detail. And uh, Fincher is, you know, known for like the multiple takes and how I was reading about how uh, Robert Downey Jr. was like complaining a lot or it was at times leaving jars of piss around when they're doing certain scenes and shots because it was like taking too too long or doing like a one, I think it was maybe one of the bar scenes with Gray Smith and uh, Palmer. Um, is that his name? Palmer? Or Paul Avery and uh, in the bar. And they said like that they did that shot like 80 times or something like that. So it was... That's a lot of aqua velvas. <laughs> right. Just saying. <laughs> I think it was the I think it was the later one. For no, maybe cancel that. But um yeah, like I just it was kind of an interesting cha- like uh transition into this next director. Very similar, like, you know, approaches and like attention det- detail, but like different um cinematography style. So just want to throw that out there too. Well, and is he okay? So, mm-hmm. question about that: does does he do this with every movie, or was it this film specifically? It sounds like it's he's. This is his personality. Like this is what he does. Okay, I only ask because he's from Marin County, so I know that this one was very personal and definitely one that he probably wanted to get right. Just being on his home court. Yeah, because I. Uh... I also read that he was kind of involved because Graysmith um, partnered with them on this film, I believe. And I thought there was some kind of relation to where he was kind of doing his own investigation to um, this. So he's, yeah, he was very passionate about the whole uh, Zodiac murder mystery. I do know that for sure. So is that what you're alluding to, Jamie? Or are you just talking about like region, like where he's from? Well, I, I was just talking more about where he's from, but I, I didn't know if, you know, that was something more of his character, like you said with Kubrick, that he does this for every movie, or just he was specifically picky on this one because it was more personal than maybe his other movies. Yeah, no, were. I heard he's, from what I've read, he's, you know, it's his attention to details to the point where he'll do, you know, multiple, multiple takes of scenes and go back He and we'll do a lot of reshoots and stuff like that what are some of people's like favorite scenes um i'll go first mine is when at the very end uh when you watch it for the second time and you're like oh my god that kid from the beginning that almost got murdered was a mcboyle from it's always in philadelphia (laughs) (laughs) right I know as soon as I as soon as I finished that I was like that's the first thing I thought of James and I had to like go Google I was like what's that family's name from It's Always Sunny <laughs> I was like I can't place him he's not drinking a glass of warm milk or something right <laughs> he shaved so. he shaved his unibrow <laughs> <laughs> exactly so I think uh, I don't know going back on movies like that I, sorry that was it's not clearly the best scene but that was my favorite scene is just like I love finding characters where you're like. Like, is that Goose? Like, uh, like, who are these guys? Like, I didn't realize the first time or didn't know who they would become later in life. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, but that was, I, I got a good laugh at that at the end, which I appreciated after sitting through it again. Yeah. 
Hey, Chris, what's your favorite scene? Um, I have two. I would say I love the uh, the house scene where he goes into his house in the basement. And, you know, that one, like, evidence piece that they, like, would go back to a couple times is there's not very many basements in California. I just I yeah. love that. Like, you could just see it build. Um, and yeah, I'm there with you on that. To you as well, um, I really loved the scene where they interviewed Lee for the first time. Um, yep. he just had a quip for everything and he knew exactly what he was doing. It was really, really interesting. And I also remember reading the most dangerous game in high school and like really thinking it was an interesting concept and idea and story. And so like to have that come back and I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was just a really, really cool scene. The most dangerous game is that, um, is that the one where like they're in like a desert and they like he's chasing down like that no, kid? No, it's like a rich no, guy okay. that like, yeah, it's like a rich guy. Oh yeah, and he, I'm looking at it here. There's like one, I think it's like one or maybe a couple people um, that he hunts on his property, and then I think whoever survives gets freedom or something like that. Yeah, I was thinking of another book I read in high school. It was like a, it was like this guy took like this younger kid and he was like hunting him down and like chasing him across this desert. And I was like, I remember it being like super graphic on like, you know, this kid like, um, through like dehydration and like sunburns and hmm. sounds like hatchet. hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm there with you too, Chris, on those two scenes that you, um, pointed out the scene in the house and like the basement. Yeah. That was, that was the moment in my first rewatch of the movie where I was like, okay, like I'm liking this now. Like I need to maybe go back and like rewatch this film and kind of see what I missed here. But yeah, yeah, that was <clears throat> really love those two scenes and like the whole scene with uh, when they're interviewing Lee. Um, I just like kind of like the back and forth, you know, and like just the kind of uh, what like arrogance of lee or just like the point i mean I guess you're thinking that he's the killer when it's like yeah i was there and i the bloody knives in my trunk oh those were for from like the chickens i killed that day yeah <laughs> like what what <laughs> just like randomly killing chickens uh but yeah i'm there with you how about you casey yeah i think um that was the scene that i had my hands clenched the hardest was the basement scene because that was just kind of creepy that was terrifying and i'm not i mean i'm not into horror movies or scary movies but that's the type of like tension that i can get behind um just kind of subtle tension i don't like you know the this you know over the top horror movies i think a good horror movie is is a lot more subtle like that well i guess that wasn't really subtle but a lot more uh a lot less in your face and kind of slowly building yeah, I love the part two where he's like, you know, he's kind of backing himself out and he's like, are you sure nobody, no one else is here? As he kind of hears like these other creaks, you know, in the house and it's like the whole idea of like, you know, when you are afraid, like your fucking mind starts going crazy on like, you know, like, oh, is, is there somebody out there? And just how fear kind of drives like your thought process. And yeah, it was, I fucking love that. It was pretty good. Yeah, I agree. 
James, Jamie? James, you go first. Uh, I did go first. I was talking about the McBoyle scene. Um, honestly, the only... Damn it, you sure <laughs> did. <laughs> That's it. That's the only one I like. Um, okay, well, you, you guys kept talk, talking about the basement, so I won't bring that up because I agree that is a phenomenal scene. Um, that feels... Um, yeah, it was it, very well done. I actually, when you were talking about uh, Robert Downey Jr. actually having to do multiple takes on different things. I keep on thinking like, okay, so in the basement scene, like how many times do they have to do it? Like just to get the dust falling from the ceiling. Right. Like that seems like, like it would take forever. Um, but uh, for me, I guess even right in the beginning, when you're getting introduced to characters, when they're just sitting at their uh, desks, like at the police station and like, uh, um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is like, Oh, I just, I like, Oh, I enjoy puzzles. Like when he's trying to figure it out and then they're just witty banner, uh, like starting to get to know the characters a little bit. And, um, Starting, I mean, I don't know, trying trying to make it likable, I guess, but I just don't like. I don't know. There is nothing really other than those couple things that stick out at me as something that was good. Again, I, I think I can speak to several other Fincher movies better than I can for this one. This one, I think, was uh, really a throwaway for me. So, with that, Jamie, why don't you add something? I'm glad you set me up, James, because this is the opposite of a throwaway for me. This is one of my favorite movies, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to tell everybody that right now. Hello, my name is Jamie, and I like Zodiac. <laughs> I love Zodiac. Yes. <laughs> We're here for you. And We're I'm... here for you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It means the world. <laughs> but, no, I think on a more personal level, I like this film um, because I my family is um, in the Bay Area, my brother and my parents, and... I lived there during the summers between college. So in a way, watching this is kind of like going home for me, not to be too cheesy, but going home to 1970. And um, so I I think whenever I watch it, I I do get that out of it. But um, as far as favorite scenes go, definitely the basement. But I also like just the little moments, like when – Anthony Edwards is eating his BLT and then uh, Ruffalo sits down and, you know, it's, and he shares a sandwich with him and gets up and he eats the rest of it. Just like little moments where they've been partners for so long. And I think that, um, you know, when they're in the car and Edwards mentions that he's never tried sushi and just like the disconnect from San Francisco then in San Francisco now, <laughs> it's it's startling. Like it's a completely different city. Like that guy does not exist in San Francisco anymore. (laughs) So I don't know. It's, I I just, I get a kick out of that. I can't imagine, you know, a blue collar worker living in the heart of San Francisco. Who's never tried sushi, let alone, you know, his partner who doesn't even know what that is. (laughs) Well, he's not missing out. It was the sixties, man. Um, I did, I did like scary. I did think of one more scene, uh, that kind of got me. I was like, Oh, there's gotta be something better than what I was saying. Um, when, uh, when the girl needed a ride and they were in the car and she didn't know what she was going to do with her baby. Oh yeah. Uh, like as far as like when you guys are talking about, uh, just like, uh, like, uh, white knuckling or whatever, that's probably one of the scenes like besides the basement where I was like, Oh my God, don't tell me. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a couple different ones I think like that when they are involving like is this is this the Zodiac killer or what the heck's gonna happen next? So as far as Chris was talking about with the who who done it, 
Uh, I mean, the movie does capture the, like, does keep you on the edge of your seat a little bit with uh, when you're trying to figure out, is it this person? Is it this person? Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, Fincher does a good job with that. Um, all right, so let's chat a little bit about the box office here. Uh, so this had a budget of $65 million. Opening weekend, uh, $13.3 million. It grossed domestically uh, $33 million, and worldwide gross was $84.8 million. So not bad. Expensive movie. Yeah, actually it is. Probably all that CGI. CGI, yeah, for sure. Yeah, movies. Other movies that came out to yeah, two thousand seven. I was gonna say uh, some of my personal favorites: Charlie Wilson's War, um, which uh, was another movie written by Sorkin, okay. uh, which will yeah, Sorkin, which will lead into the next Fincher film, uh, and then uh, Gone Baby Gone came out that year, so that was Affleck's first directorial debut. Um, which I, as far as a who done it or what was going on, I really enjoyed that one. Was that the one with Casey Affleck? That is true. Casey Affleck plays the, he's not a, a police officer. He's like a private detective for the most yeah. part. Him and his wife like are helping with, they're helping try to find a missing child and they're working with the police department in the situation just because they know the neighborhood and people in the neighborhood might talk to them more than the police would talk to them. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what the it's best thing Casey Affleck has ever done is that Dunkin' Donuts skit on SNL. <laughs> I don't know if I'm familiar. <laughs> Oh, it's fucking yep. look it up. It's so good. <laughs> he's like, he's in Boston. Yeah, I have a crawl and take a big dump. It's kind of like my routine. He's just like this burly looking dude well, wearing like a Carhartt jacket and like a, a old like Boston Bruins cap. And he's like inside a Dunkin' Donuts. I like drinking like the coffee. So he gets like the free refills and like, there's like, there's no smoking in here. He's like, my arm's out the door. <laughs> yeah. So he's just playing himself. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, it's funny you say Casey Affleck. Oceans thirteen came that out this year so too. Much better than Oceans twelve. Twelve, yeah, I've, yeah I pretend twelve didn't exist. So and they did twelve. Well, here's the deal with twelve, and I'll play devil's advocate on it. I <laughs> yeah. agree. I I like thirteen better than twelve, but my advocate, devil's advocate on it is like you remember, like there was Kill Bill one, a Kill Bill Volume one and Volume two, and Volume one was supposed to be kind of like a like a Japanese film. And then number two was more like a spaghetti Western. Like that's kind of what they were going for. in 12 is they were trying to make it like, Hey, it's the same cast, but a completely different feel and type of movie to it. Um, anyway, so well, love it or leave it. <laughs> now, see, I just won't forgive them for allowing Julia Roberts to play the real life. Julia know, Roberts. That shit was so stupid. Oh yeah. And and the not yeah that and to, to have her be the character but also really the actual actress yeah i'm not down with that that was that was jumping hey, the shark Chris, for uh, i don't remember anything about that movie except that i hated that part of that movie that was like the stupid like uh i don't know the art heist yeah they they were in debt they had to pay back <laughs> sounds fucking what's his dumb face <laughs> The Tony guy. The Tony guy that they robbed in the first one. Right? Tony? Tony is that his name? Whatever. The dude they robbed in the first one came and like, was like, yo, I know it's you. I'm going to kill y'all. Pay me back. And so they had to go bust some jobs to pay him back. I would just kill Tony. <laughs> Why didn't they think of that? <laughs> 
Oh, they weren't murderers. They were thieves. uh, Speaking of movies in 2007, this is the year that Into the Wild came out. Do you remember who you saw that movie with? Was it you? Yeah, it was me. Oh, God, I still love that movie. Dude, Emile Hirsch is an underrated actor. Apparently, awesome soundtrack, too. Terrible to work with. Yeah, interestingly enough, too, um, executive producer was... um, the God, what is it? Is it Bill Polad, the one of the twins' sons? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, he executive. No way. That movie. Yeah. You guys think? Wow, that's he's, crazy. He's that's in my wife's favorite movie. Uh, Food Inc. He was ex- executive producer for. So uh, first off, uh, the bad guy in Ocean's name was Terry Benedict, not Tony. Um, and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to look. <laughs> I know. Well, um, and then, uh, do you think that Emil is an underrated actor? I think he's, I think everybody thinks Emil's great. I mean, maybe he's tough to work with, but I think he picks and chooses what he wants to do. Like, what was the last thing he just did was the Quentin, the Tarantino once upon, yeah, a, time once upon right? a time in Hollywood. So, I think you I, don't see him I, that often, but whenever he's around, he's got, he's got good movies under his belt. I do, I do still think that he's an underrated actor. What I've heard is that he's difficult to, to work with because I feel like after uh, the girl next door he was starting to blow up, um, and then I feel like he did that like space or speed racer one. I don't know what was it. Yeah, it was speed racer. Speed racer, yeah, and that thing kind of flopped. Um, but I do. I think he picks really great movies. I mean, one of my like favorite movies to watch even to this day is Dangerous Lives of the Alter Boys, and like that was my first experience with Emil Hirsch, and. Like I've always just been a huge fan of everything that he's done, and I, but I don't think he has a lot of like big name recognition. Do you think a lot of people know who Emil Hirsch is? I I do. I, well, that that's just me. Maybe it's just the guys here talking of a certain age, and uh, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. He's not a. He's not like an A list name, I guess, by any means. When you put it in that fashion. But, would you even think he's a B-list name? No, I, I mean, I no, I wouldn't. Name is like Kathy Lee Griffin, or Kathy Griffin, or whatever, where she's like, she's good at what she does, but I feel like she just doesn't. What have does she do? <laughs> Kathy Griffin's like a comedian. No, I know who she is. She, but what was the last thing she did? No, but I, I, I think like the, what I'm trying to say is that I think like they're like i think they're both very gifted in their craft but they don't have mass appeal and so i don't feel like a lot of people like know them or like them are you a big kathy griffin fan funny i think she's good i appreciate her delivery yeah casey thank you that's the question i was looking to ask i I honestly i haven't heard her in a while yeah you're compared the last time i heard about kathy griffin is when she got in trouble New Year's. Uh, with the like beheading well, picture there's that Trump. And, like the New Year's Eve thing or something with Cecil the Lion like she just shows up once a year for doing something that everybody doesn't like her for <laughs> 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 so anyway so you saying that about Emil I felt like you just gave him a backhanded whatever I don't know I just feel that was a weird like analogy I guess <laughs> oh. I I don't think I don't think he has mass appeal. I don't think that a lot of people know who he is. I think he's an incredibly gifted actor, and I try and see almost everything he's in. No, well, yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
Well, along with Zodiac having a lot of CGI, something else came out this year with a lot of CGI. The first Transformers. Uh, movie's so bad. <laughs> I was just waiting for but it's I just want to hear Chad best, do something like that. The, <laughs> the, it's the best out of the Transformers movies, though. I guess. I would concur. I don't know. I'd concur. It also was the year the, that Spider-Man 3 came out and Spider-Man was dancing all over the bar. I never saw that one. Going, gave up after going back two. to Transformers, how do people feel about Shia LaBeouf? He's um, getting back in my wheelhouse. You know, I have a lot of strong yeah. opinions about Shia LaBeouf. But that last movie he was just in, the it's peanut a, butter... The peanut butter popcorn was my favorite movie yeah. this year. Yeah, time. Super good. Yeah, I heard that's really good. I haven't seen that yet. Wait, that was yeah, your, peanut butter popcorn. James, that was your favorite. He was on Hot Ones, and it gave me a new level of respect. He was in what gave you a new level of respect? Hot Ones, uh, the interview show with uh, Hotter Wings and even Hotter Questions. I watched. He was on that, and uh, and I actually liked that. I thought he actually was really down to earth, and uh, and I was like, all right, I think I like Shia now. He was maybe crazy and has done some crazy things, but he seemed like a pretty genuine dude. Will Ferrell thinking. If anything's going to make Will Ferrell angry about something, it's when he just can't tolerate what's going on in his body. And, but no, he, seemed, he was a nice guy the whole time. Good for him. <laughs> can we can we quickly go back to your comment, James? Did you say that Peanut Butter Falcon was your favorite movie of the year? Is, is that 2020 or 2019? Uh, 2019. There's still a lot of 2020 left. Well, I know. I was just making sure because we are currently in 2020. I didn't remember what year it came out. Yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. I meant I was... I was surprised. Uh, so, Peter Butter Falcon was my favorite movie of last year, and I was surprised during Oscar time that that got not any bit of love uh, compared see, to some of the other movies that were there. Did you see Jojo Rabbit? I did, and I disagree with it. Was not my favorite movie of this year for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I know you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was well done, and I thought it was it was cute. Um, yeah, I, I don't plan on purchasing it. Jeez. All right. All right, let's uh, circle back to Zodiac. Um, just want to touch on some review scores here. So average score on IMDb is 7.7. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has an 89% critic score with an audience score of 77%. And the Metacritic score is 78%. So I want to ask you, Movie Time Machine crew, what would you rate this film? I rated it on a, my letterbox as a 3 out of 5. I rated it a four out of five on my letterbox. I just want to say too, so yeah, go ahead, James. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I I'd also give it a three out of five. Uh, I'd probably give it a three and a half out of five. <laughs> One dollar, uh, Jamie. Um, I'm saying I gave it a four and a half. Couldn't quite give it five stars, but it was a tough call. Cool. All right. Uh, Let's wrap this one up here. Let's uh, everyone have any closing thoughts that they want to throw out there um, on this movie before uh, we shut down this episode on David Fincher's the Zodiac. Yeah. My final thoughts are, I'm pretty sure Jamie is the only person here that has had any reasonable things to say. And I think keep up the, the good fight, Jamie. 
<laughs> oh, Team Chris all the way. <laughs> Let's do it, buddy. Just because I didn't like it doesn't make it bad. I didn't say it was bad. I also, I'm just a wuss, and I don't I like violence. Like I should under, I should get Jamie by now because, like, he's like the silent hunter here, and at the like where I'm like, oh man, Jamie's been so tight lipped. He must have hated this movie. And whenever I think that, then all of a sudden it becomes like it was like your the best movie you'd ever seen. Like that happened with. Uh, Oh, like, Oh Brother, I think it was the other one, where I was like, oh, you must have hated it. And didn't you love that one? Surprise, it's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know why I'm not, I'm shocked every time, but I am. Uh, Don't worry, we'll we'll find one I hate. (laughs) Challenge accepted. All right. So, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode uh, movie time machine are looking to David Fincher's the Zodiac. Uh, just want to let you know, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at movie machine pod, or you can go to our site that's on Podbean. It's movie time machine.podbean.com. Um, yeah. Also go to iTunes, give us a rating. If you like what you're hearing, you can leave some questions and comment on there as well. If you have anything you want to ask us about the picture or your take or input or comments, throw it on there. Let us know. Thank you for listening and hope you're taking care of yourself out there. Be safe. Be healthy. Bye.